Welcome to the West Point Church Podcast. Here you can find past and future messages. Be sure to subscribe so you get updates as soon as those sermons are posted. I hope you guys enjoy it. Have a good week. So, it was the middle of September 2017, and I found myself uh, on Craigslist, as I often am on Craigslist. Uh, I'm a Craigslist um, troll or a hobbit. I, I live there. Uh, and if you, if you know me and have talked with me, uh, you probably have picked up that I have a few too many like wild and crazy Craigslist stories. Uh, from like the time that I went out, I was like 18 or 19, and I went out to buy a car. Uh, and of course, I didn't leave till like 9 o'clock at night, get out to this place out in Blaine in the middle of the woods at 10 o'clock at night. And I go up to this guy and he's like, yeah, I got to sell this car because uh, I, I got to go away to like figure some stuff out. And I was like, oh, yeah, weird. He must be going on vacation or something. And then later in the conversation, he's like, yeah, I'm actually going to prison because I was growing a lot of pot at my place. And so, yeah, I was like, cool. Uh, or there was the time that I went to look at a different car out in Minneapolis and I uh, show up at this like big warehouse place and a Russian guy that, named Vladimir at the door meets me and says, we have the car in the back. And I was like, I'm going to definitely die here today. <laughs> Didn't buy that one. <laughs> So I was on Craigslist, and it just happened to be this one listing that popped out and caught my eye. And I was like, this is the one, guys. And I had literally, just a few days before, watched a TV show about people doing this thing. So I was like, this is providence from the Lord. TV show, Craigslist ad, opportunity for me, let's go. And what I was looking at on Craigslist, in the free section nonetheless, was an early, majestic, uh, 60 by 80 foot uh, hay barn. Just beautiful barn. And I'd just seen this TV show about people who tear down barns, and they make like lots of money doing it. I was like, yes! Well, I, I called this guy up. I went out there, looked at the barn, decided this is what I'm going to do. I want to go for it. And I tore down that barn. Took me like over a month. I had Joe and Pat and the girls out there. My parents. We had AJ out there. Josh Soul was out there. And it was a lot of work. But I tore down that barn. And uh, it's something I'm never going to forget. Uh, definitely never going to forget that. And, uh, you know, incidentally, actually, while I was preparing my message this week and, like, finding pictures of the barn, this random guy calls me and he's like, hey, um, yeah, I met you out at that barn you tore out. I've got two more to tear down. Like, y are you interested? And I was like, maybe. I, I mean, I'm not going to say no. I did it once, right? So uh, if we turn to chapter 12 in Luke we find a story of a man who tore down a barn. So it's Luke chapter 12, 13 through 21. If you want to turn there, or it'll be on the screen. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And then he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. 
I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And then I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God came to him and said, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. And there's something in this story uh, about this man and something that he did and the way that he lived that caused him to lose his life. And so today I want to talk about living with purpose and a little bit about how we do that and what that looks like. And that, in other words, in the barns that we build in our life, and the words that we say and the intentions of our heart, we would lay up treasure in heaven, not store up treasure for ourselves here on the earth. God, we just ask that as we read your word, and as we reflect on this passage, Lord, that you, by your Holy Spirit, would come and just transform our lives, just open up our eyes uh, to the places that we need you and haven't let you in before. Holy Spirit, come. This is not just words. This is the power of God that we're meeting with this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So the story starts out, this guy uh, from the crowd calls out to Jesus that he's looking for a ruling on something that's happening in his life. And at the beginning of chapter 12, uh, it's funny how little things, little phrases in the Bible, we kind of just like skip over. And I read this chapter a number of times. And then I read it again and I was like, whoa. But it says at the beginning of chapter 12 that many thousands were gathering to the point where they were trampling over each other. And then it just kind of like moves on. So this one guy somehow gets Jesus' attention in a crowd of, a th of thousands of people who are literally like walking all over each other. And he makes this statement or asks for Jesus' help in this one way. This is the one thing that he deemed uh, he wanted. Yeah, let's turn those fans up. Boy, we got a lot of like annoying stuff this morning. The birds, the fans. Man, behind me, Satan. <laughs> so... In a crowd of, of thousands of people, this man gets the attention of Jesus, and this is the one subject that he wants Jesus' help on, okay? Think about that. If you had Jesus' attention, if Jesus was still walk, walking the earth, and you were uh, in a crowd of thousands of people, and you were the person who got heard by Jesus, what would you want to say to him? What would you want to ask him? Uh, what would that be? This guy knew exactly what he wanted to ask him. And he says, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And we can kind of look at that and be like, oh, that's kind of a weird question to ask him. But uh, what's probably going on here is that uh, if you, as a family, if, if you've ever been involved in an in inheritance battle or you've heard of people who are involved in inheritance and parents are going to die and, and it's like, we all want it, want it, want it. And it's just, it's like a thing that can turn an amazing family into a bunch of wretches. And so what's probably going on in this guy's family is that his older brother was the heir and he is not. So he doesn't have a legal spot to say, hey, I, I get half or I get whatever percentage the will says I should get. 
So he turns to Jesus, who is a rabbi, a teacher of the law, of religious uh, things, and and he tries to get Jesus to make a moral ruling in his life. See, he can't get a legal ruling in his life because he's probably not in the will. But he turns to Jesus to try to uh, manipulate his brother into giving him some of it. Come on, man. Like, this isn't fair. Like, we should all share. And like, you know, come on, brother. Jesus' response is kind of weird, too. But he says, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? And what Jesus is saying here is that I didn't come to this world to solve all your worldly problems. I didn't come here to make sure that you have everything that you want and need. I came here because there's a spiritual problem on the earth. There's a spiritual problem in every human, and that's what I came here to solve. Does God solve physical problems in our life? Yes, he does. But he's always going to start with the spiritual issues in our life. God is not going to solve an earthly issue in your life if it's going to create an eternal problem for you. And here's what I mean by that. Jesus saw straight through what this guy was asking. He was saying, Jesus, tell my brother to give me some of that money. I just got to get my hands on some of that money. Because if I get my hands on some of that, boy, my life is going to be so nice. I'm going to be able to buy a nicer place, get some some awesome Birkenstock sandals, because they all wore sandals in that day. And I'm going to be able to go on a trip to the Damascus Sea or whatever, wherever they went. And and it's just going to be so good. And I want some of that money because, hey, I'm part of the family too. I should get some of that, right? Jesus saw straight through his question, and he saw that his heart was filled with evil desires and greed. So Jesus is not going to solve an earthly issue in your life if it's going to create an eternal problem for you. He's not going to say, okay, I'll tell your brother to give you some of that money, because this guy, he he has the wrong motives and the wrong heart intentions behind getting this money. So Jesus is not going to play Judge Judy for this guy. And the, the other thing that, that Jesus is saying here is um, that his kingdom is not of this, of this world. That's what essentially he's saying. I'm not going to make a, a moral ruling on an earthly or a worldly issue right now because ultimately, ultimately my kingdom is not of this world. And, and, and then he says, he, he turns into his disciples and he says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. He, he straight up lays it out for his, for his people. And so the first key to living with purpose is to understand that Christians use a different measuring tape. And you maybe noticed a piece of paper there on your seat. I want you to pull that out. And I want you to write that down. It'll be here on the screen. There's so much research about what writing things down. I mean, if you've ever seen, has anybody ever seen my dad in church? And he's got like scrap papers and napkins. And he's just like, and he's going through pens and they're smoking and the paper's starting on fire. My dad, like my whole life, he has written things down. And that guy 
knows the word and, and he is always like spiritually alive. And I think part of that is because he's writing things down and even God commanded the Israelites, write it down because you're going to forget. So the first key to living with purpose is to understand that Christians use a different measuring tape. Jesus, the one we follow and live our lives for, came into, this, into our world, into this world, and said, my kingdom is not of this world. And, and we look at the kingdom of God, and so much of it is, is literally backwards to what we know here in this world. He, he came and he said, if you want to be great, if you want to be the best, then learn to be the least. And people were like, What? He said, be the servant of every, everybody. Uh, surrender your life. Believe in things that you can't even see. Those things are 180 degree difference from what the world believes, right? And so if we're called to live in a different kingdom that has literally the exact opposite uh, guiding principles as this world, we need to use a different measuring tape. And I don't know if this is going to work or not, but I just kind of thought of this this morning. But we've got like a, a ruler here, and then we got this big tape measure. And if I wanted to measure this room here, I would be here for quite a long time, and I'd be really frustrated and confused if I was trying to use this, not to mention that I probably would come up with the wrong measurement, right? This is for other things. And this is for other things, too. <laughs> Good observation, Michael. Thank you. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yes, it does. Thank you. What I'm, what I'm getting at here is that the world has one set of measurements, and God's kingdom has another set of measurements. And if we're people of the kingdom, we need to use God's set of measurements. We can't use the world's set of measurements to define our life and our success and, and anything, our lives. Because the, the ideas of success and productivity are different. The goals and purpose are different. The standards of measurement are different. And so if we're trying to live a Christian life, we're trying to live after the life of Jesus and model that, if we're also trying to, to measure it over here, we're never going to be who God has called us to be. And we're going to be stuck in the middle, frustrated, or we're, or we're going to be way over here being like, wow, I'm just doing so good. Like, I'm making so much money. God's just like totally blessing me. And he's like, yeah, but what about all this stuff that I'm talking about over here? And... Um, Jesus says, life is not measured by money and what you have or what you have accomplished. What is the number one thing that the world measures you by? What you do and how much money you make. How successful you are. Are you on TV? I mean, actually, funny story. So AJ, I'm just going to share this real quick. AJ just went on a 12-day journey to Honduras. AJ made national news headlines as a missionary. Him and Garrett Rocco were on two different TV shows. Was it two? Two different TV shows uh, preaching the name of Jesus to all of Honduras. So, wow, you made it, buddy. <laughs> and it's actually his birthday today. He's leading worship, and he got home from Honduras yesterday. So what a guy. 
Where was I? Success. Yes. The number one thing that the world is going to measure you on is what you have, what you're doing, how far you're going. And you, uh, I don't know if you know this about me or not, but I'm, I work part-time here at the church, and then I have, uh, I'm a self-employed mechanic. And yeah. yeah, the mechanic boy's in the house. I learned a lot from Joe. He's a good mechanic. Can't beat it. But uh, so what, what I do is I have a couple companies that I service, uh, and I service all their company vehicles. So I go to their warehouses, and I do oil changes, brakes, fix their vehicles on site at their location so they don't have to take them to a mechanic shop. Sorry, Joe. <laughs> One up to you there, but, you know, you have a hoist and I don't. So, so I go to these companies and work on vehicles. And the world would measure my success and my productivity by how many oil changes did I do today? How many cars did I work on? And uh, how much did I bill out at the end of the day? Is my business producing cash flow? All of which are good things, and I hope that those things keep happening. But God has called me to a greater purpose than to just cash flow, than to just bill out a big one at the end of the day, than to do 30 oil changes. God has called me to a greater purpose than that. And those are things that, that I, I think are going to happen in my life, but I'm not, I'm not going to measure my life on that. I'm going to measure my life over here with this bad boy. And I just picked up this new company, and it kind of just happened. Like, I, didn't, I don't advertise. I'm not looking to pick up anybody else. I got enough work to go around for me. But this company approached me and said, hey, we want you to come over and, and start working on our fleet. And, and so I did. And as I've been there, God has just revealed to me the purpose of me being there is to build relationships with a lot of these employees and to get to know them and to speak into their life and to encourage them. And that my main purpose for being there is not to do oil changes. It's not to do brakes. It's not to work on their cars. It's to bring these guys into the kingdom of God. And so as I've been doing that, uh, I find myself there having a conversation with guys for 10, 15 minutes. And in the back of my head, I'm going, boy, I sure hope the guy who comes out who's paying the bills doesn't come out and be like, what are you standing around for, you lazy bum? Like, get to work. We're paying you to change oil. Let's go. But man, I just believe that as we live with purpose, and as we use this set of measurements, my day is successful and productive if I do what God puts in front of me. And if for, if, if for that day, it's just to bill out at the end of the day and make money and provide for my family, then so be it. That's what I'm going to do. But I don't think that every day in my life is, is meant to be like that. If I have a conversation with somebody, I, I was talking with this one guy who was just telling me about his divorce and his custody battles with his kids and just all this crazy stuff that literally he just opened up about it. That's a purposeful day for me. If that's what God has put in front of me, I'm not going to go home at the end of the day and be like, oh man, I didn't get one more truck done because I was talking to that guy about all his problems. And no, that is the standard of measurement that God is putting in our, in our life. And and we can get legalistic about this. 
and I'm purposely not giving a lot of application for this point because you need to ask the Holy Spirit what it looks like to live a purposeful life in the place that you're at, whether you're a mom or you're, uh, you have a career or you're self-employed or you're unemployed or you're a student or you're in college, whatever. You need to ask the Holy Spirit what that looks like for you. I can't tell you what that is. You can read the Bible but um, and, and ask the Holy Spirit. So... If I use the world's tape measure, I'm going to miss out on opportunities and miss out on my purpose for being in this world. Done. Jesus then tells this story to illustrate the point, the point that he's making about, about worldly possessions and greed and, and measuring ourselves. And he said, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Logical question, right? I mean, it's just pretty awesome when you're rich and then all of a sudden you're even more rich and you're like, I don't even know where to put all this riches. Just so rich. Wouldn't we love to have that problem? I'm just so rich. I need another bank account because this one, they said I can't put any more in it. Aaron, can you help me with that, please? <laughs> Thank you. Logical question. I've got all this. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. The rains fell good this year. My crops grew up. I've got a huge harvest. Although this is kind of an oxymoron to have a rich farmer, right? I mean, what will I do? This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and I will big, build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, wow, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is what it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. And the second key to living with purpose is to remember that thine is the kingdom, not mine is the kingdom. Pull out your piece of paper, write it down. Thine is the kingdom, not mine is the kingdom. The Westminster Catechism, which was written, I think, in the 1600s, says that man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So the, our purpose for being here on this earth is to bring glory to God, to make him look great, and then it's to just live in total joy and, and happiness with God, like here in this earth and in eternity with him. The human catechism sounds a little more different. The chief end of man is to glorify himself and enjoy life for 80 years. And in this story, basically we've got a rich farmer, we've got a bumper crop, we've got a decision to retire, and then God shows up, calls him a fool, and takes his life from him. So the question is, where did things go wrong for this guy? Was it because he was rich? I think Jesus could have easily told this story with a poor guy. But I think he uses a rich man to exaggerate his point and to really bring it to life. Uh, a rich guy gets richer. And, and he still wasn't. He was already rich. He, he didn't, we don't pick up on the story that this guy was in lack. It says that he was rich. And then he became richer. So he could have, what he's saying here is that enough will never be enough in this world. 
the condition of sin is that we're always looking for a little more, looking for something else to satisfy beyond what we already have. So Jesus could have easily said a poor guy had an abundant crop. And then he said to himself, I'm going to store this all up for myself. So it wasn't because he was rich. And, and like I said before, God said the, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Um, whether you're rich or poor doesn't necessarily mean God's blessing is, is or is not in your life. Does that make sense? So it wasn't because he was rich. Uh, was it because um, he had this huge harvest and then he decided, well, I should tear down my barns. Like, that, that sounds kind of stupid. Like, why would you do that? Just build, build other ones. So was it, was it because of his decision to tear down them and, and build bigger ones? Um, I think we could speculate on what this guy should have done or could have done or what we would have done in that situation. But I don't think that's the point of what that Jesus is getting across here. Um, first of all, God knows that this world needs productive farmers. God knows that this world needs productive mechanics and productive financial officers and productive uh, water technicians and TV stars, you know. God knows that this world needs productive things. So it wasn't bad that this guy had a huge harvest and then figured out what to do with it. And like I said, Deuteronomy 28, the Lord will command blessing upon your barns and in all that you put your hand to. God wants to bless us and he wants to increase our territory. He wants to increase our, dare I say, bank accounts. I mean, use that one carefully, but productivity, success, and profit is not bad. That is not the evil thing in this story. And this guy's decision to tear down his barns and build bigger ones, I wouldn't have done that. Well, maybe I would have done that. I don't know. <laughs> Get him coming and going, you know. But God has given us knowledge and wisdom on how to live this life. And um, he's not called us to be robots, to just like hear a transmission from God and then do it in this world. He's given us wisdom. So maybe this guy was just using the best wisdom that he had. And, and like I said, we could speculate on, on all this, what he, what he should have done or could have done. But you know what? We could, we could put any one of you up here and say, wow, you really shouldn't be doing that. Or you should have done this. You shouldn't have made. We could speculate on anybody's life, right? So even though it maybe looked wasteful, I don't think that is why God showed up in this guy's life. And if we look at verse 19, I think this is where we kind of find the key where things went wrong. He says, then I will say to myself. And we see earlier in the story that, uh, what should I do? Oh, here's what I'll do. He probably didn't really ask anybody. He just was, he was just a rogue lone ranger. He was just doing whatever he wanted. And, he says, I will say to myself, I don't think Jesus would have even told this story if the story would have ended with, then I'll say to God, wow, thank you, God, for this bumper crop and like these new big barns that you allowed me to build. This wouldn't even be a story in the Bible. This is where things went wrong. And, and if we were to look at this passage, um, he, he says, my crops, my barns, 
my grain, my goods. And as I said, profit and all that is not bad. Success in this world is not bad. Fame is not bad. It's not about the money, it's about the mindset. It's not about the money, it's about your mindset. This guy comes to Jesus and requests a judgment in his inheritance case. Jesus didn't care about the money. If it was just about the money, he'd be like, okay, yeah, give him half, his, half the share. It was about the guy's mindset that he was coming in with greed, he was coming in thinking that money was gonna change his life, that this was gonna turn things around for him. The money is not the bad thing. The success is not the bad thing, it's the mindset and it's what goes on in your heart with your intentions. And I think maybe we just start evaluating the things that we're doing and the way that we're living and simply filter it and just say, why am I doing this? Am I doing this for me to, to build bigger barns and store up crops so that I can take it easy? Am I doing this so that I look good and, and feel good about myself? Because there's going to come a day when all these things that we've worked for, all these things that we have, our houses and our cars and our clothes and the food that we've eaten and the things that we've accomplished and the vacations that we've gone on, just keep naming off the list. All these things that we've done in this world, there's going to come a day when those things will not matter anymore. The, the physical properties of those things, houses are going to burn down. I've been, I've been watching a barn literally fall to the ground over the last year. Every time I drive to my parents, it's a little bit further down to the ground. Barns fall down. Barns burn down. We're, I don't know the day that you're going to die, but I know that we're all going to die someday. And that day is going to come. And all these things that we've done in this life, the physical things will not matter and, and they will not go to eternity with us. But the way that we've thought about them and the way that our intentions have, have, have been in those things and the way that we have conducted ourselves in those places, that's what's going to matter. And I think this could, this could really just filter into any part of our life. Um, are you going on another trip or another vacation because you're like, looking for something and you're unsatisfied with your life and you want to look good on Instagram or whatever you're doing, look good next, or are you like going on a vacation because you can and because like you need some rest or you want to spend time with your family or like whatever. I don't think we have to like necessarily over spiritualize these things. Like, well, you should probably pray about your vacation. You should be taking one of those and like how much ministry are you going to do on your vacation? And you know, we can over spiritualize these things. And I don't think that's what God's heart is. I think his heart is that we just would check our hearts and, and not just be doing things to store up things on this earth, to lay treasure in this earth. Cause Hey, your vacation can be glorifying to God. Your career can be glorifying to God. Your brand new car, that can be glorifying to God. But it's only glorifying if the mindset is right. The, the physical thing, it doesn't matter. God doesn't care about that. God does not care about money because he literally paves his streets in heaven with gold, the most precious thing on this earth. He uses it for asphalt. He doesn't care about things and he doesn't care about money. 
He cares about what's in your mind and what's in your heart. And again, we can make judgment calls on what we should be doing and how we should be spending, but that's not what he's getting at here. So maybe we just start by evaluating what we're doing and going, God, give me a pure heart as I do this or as I buy this or as I work at this place, whatever it is. The third thing that I want us to um, take down this morning is the key, one key is that we be rich towards God. Be rich towards God. And this doesn't mean, uh, Jesus is not saying be rich towards God as in give all your money to God and like give everything to him physically. Uh, I I like the, the New Living Translation says it like this. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. As we, we were singing that song, you can have it all, Lord. Every part of my world. Take this life and breathe on this heart that is now yours. Be rich towards God in that our life is totally open to God and what he wants to do in our life. A big part of my testimony is that I used to love money. I loved it. I loved making it. I loved what it could do for me. I loved uh, the thoughts that other people may have had about me. I had a great job right out of high school, making more money than I'd ever made in my life. And um, my life was focused around getting more money. When I wasn't at work, I was working on a car at home so I could flip it and make some more money. And it was during that time that uh, my spiritual life just totally declined. And, and I was no longer focused on the king, I was focused on the coin. And I was 20 years old and I was on a vacation, on a road trip, and top two moments in my life that the Holy Spirit has shown up and it's been like, that's the Holy Spirit. I'm on vacation in a backseat of a car, driving home from Texas. The Holy Spirit shows up and just starts dropping bombs in my life. And one thing that he said to me was, I want you to live a simple life, unhindered by money and possessions. I went home, I quit my job, I gave away all my money, I moved uh, out to Texas, I couldn't even get a job, I tried. Um, I lived with this family for free for almost a year. Uh, And for like nine months, I went through this like financial detox. And I came out the other side knowing that money and possessions and all that wasn't going to be my God anymore. And I wasn't going to be my own provider. God is my God and he is my provider. And now we stand here eight years later and we just raised $65,000 for Speed the Light. And like, we're like, it's so amazing to be a part of something like that. That's more money than I make in over a year. And God took something that I loved and he told me to surrender it to him. And then he, and then he just said, all right, let's, let's go. Let's, let's change that. And, um, last night as I was just praying and worshiping over this, uh, boy, God just totally wrecked me as I realized I was this farmer. I was the guy in this story and I was on 
I was on a road to the same place that he was, that God was going to show up in my life and say, you fool. You're going to lose your life this very night and who will get everything that you've worked for? I was that guy to a T. And that's the grace and the saving power of Christ on display. To go from loving money to actually being able to love God with my money. And I still like money. I love selling things and I love being a business owner and the profit. I, I like that. But I, I like God a lot more and I love him a lot more. And he's got control of my bank account. He's got control of all my stuff. And I, and I actually have a healthy relationship with money. Now, not controlled by it. And honestly, like this whole week or weeks as I've been preparing for this, like this wasn't supposed to be a sermon about money. I didn't really want to focus because I don't think that's specifically what God is getting at in this. Uh, he's not specifically getting at money. But man, God just kept bringing me back to that. And um, I think God wants to do a work in you that he did in me. If, you, if you're here and you've got any kind of issue with money, whether you don't have money or you got too much money or you spend too much money or you, you try to save too much money, you're a hoarder or you, you um, try to look to money for satisfaction or, or safety or security or um, whatever it is, God wants to bring freedom into your life in, in your pocketbook. He wants to set you free. Jesus talked about money more than any other subject in the whole New Testament. Because he knows, how, he knows how we are with it. And I just, boy, if we get that right, can you imagine the freedom that you're going to experience in your life? The, the explosion over the church? And so I just want to read one more thing as we close here. It's Luke, it's just a little later in the chapter, Luke 12, 22 through 34. And if you just close your eyes and just let the, let the word of Christ wash over you, and however the Holy Spirit convicts you in that. Um, and then he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, or what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither reap nor sow, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. And of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his life? If you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon, the richest man in all of history, in all his glory was not arrayed like that of these. But if... God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. How much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not seek what you are here, and do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things. And the Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide for yourselves with money bags, or dare I say, barns that do not grow old, 
with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Everybody's building a barn. Everybody in this room is building a barn. Is your barn going to be eternal? Or is your barn going to burn down? And we see this man spent a whole lot of time, this farmer spent a whole lot of time managing and preparing his earthly treasure and spent no time storing up treasures in heaven and he lost his life. 